If you would, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of passages that might be a little obscure, but if you want to open your Bibles to Ezra chapter 1, and also maybe keep your finger in Isaiah chapter uh, 40, uh, 45. So Ezra chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 45. I'm going to read a couple of passages from there. But uh, as was announced earlier, you know, Lance, the leaders, uh, the Bible Bowl is starting to pick up. And so I thought I would do something uh, that I did last year when I went through the book of Nehemiah with you guys during uh, the summertime as a devotional thought. And so I thought I'd do that with Ezra going forward for the next few weeks. And just wanted to give you a, sort of a little bit of context of the book of Ezra. So hopefully you'll start reading it, uh, especially if you're one of the kids in the Bible Bowl or if you're a parent uh, to help with them as well. But Ezra is focusing on the Jews' return uh, back from captivity to go back and to rebuild physical Israel, the temple and the wall, but also spiritual Israel to get worship back going in that. And you remember the Old Testament, uh, the captivities that took place? Remember the northern tribes, those ten tribes? They go away in Assyrian captivity. They're really never going to come back. But it's Judah and Benjamin, the southern tribes, who go away into Babylonian captivity. This is King Nebuchadnezzar, of course. Uh, They're the remnant that's going to return. They're going to return in three different waves. The first two are going to happen in the book of Ezra. Uh, Chapters 1 through 6 is going to be led by Zerubbabel. And and chapter 7 through 10 is going to be led by Ezra. And then that third wave is going to happen in the book of Nehemiah. Well, the book of Ezra, again, gives us a lot of things. You know, again, right now in this period of time, the Medes and Persians have now taken over for uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. You remember Daniel's statue, the head of gold and the silver chest plate? You know, that's the Medes and the Persians. And now they're in charge. The book of Esther actually takes place during Ezra. So as you're reading through Ezra, uh, remember Esther is going on during this time period as well. The prophets Zechariah and Haggai and Malachi, they're preaching right now. And also David, is, or excuse me, not David, Daniel is a very old man at this time. And this account, these accounts take place anywhere from 500 to 450 years before Jesus. So just kind of keep that in mind. But here we are in Ezra chapter 1 and notice these verses. Uh, Starting in verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Every survivor at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with a freewill offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. So who is this Cyrus? This man, this king. Uh, This book doesn't begin talking about Ezra, but talking about Cyrus. And this is a pagan king. He's a Gentile ruler. And the Bible tells us that God stirred up his heart uh, to make this decree, this proclamation that the Jews can now go home. They can go back to Jerusalem. They can rebuild uh, their temple. uh, And he's also telling the people to financially support them as they go on that way. Well, notice here, I asked you to also look at uh, Isaiah chapter 44, the very last verse, and into chapter 45. But notice this, Isaiah 44, verse 28. It is I who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, 
and he will perform all my desires. And he declares of Jerusalem, she will be built. And of the temple, your foundation will be laid. Chapter 45, verse 1. Thus says the Lord of Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before him and to loose the loins of kings to open the doors before him so the gates will not be shut. Imagine going to a museum and looking at a 200-year-old document that says, you know, in 200 years, you know, George W. Bush is going to be president of the United States, and this man's from Texas. Again, imagine reading a 200-year-old document that says that, and that's impressive because it's naming the guy by name, and it's also telling you that he's going to come from Texas, which wasn't even a state 200 years ago. Well, here we have Isaiah, who is prophesying. Some 200 years before Cyrus is going to be king of Persia, saying that there is going to be a man named Cyrus uh, of the Persians, uh, of the Medes, who's going to take over the, the new kingdoms of the world. And he's also going to help rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. And so you start connecting these dots in scripture and you can only reason that the Bible is from God. Right? This cannot be a coincidence. There is no way that man could have guessed these details so accurately 200 years before it was going to happen that Isaiah was going to name the man by name uh, who takes over uh, the kingdoms of the world by Cyrus. And this happens over and over again in the Bible. It's called predictive prophecy. One of the greatest pieces of evidence that we have in the scriptures. And it really it sets the tone for Ezra chapter 1 because it tells us that God is in control. And you know what else is great about this account that we can learn from this account is that God uses even the most unlikely individuals to accomplish his will. And if he can use a man like Cyrus, a man who did not believe in the one true God, how much more is he going to use you and I, his children? And so we have work to do and let us uh, let us keep our minds on that as we offer the invitation here this evening. If anyone here is, has not put Christ on in baptism, we'd love the opportunity to serve you in that capacity to talk to you what the Bible has to say about that or to help you. Or if you're here tonight and maybe you need the prayers of the congregation, uh, no better time than now to do that in front of your brothers and sisters in Christ. If there's a need that you made uh, us to help you with this tonight, please let us know as together we stand and sing.